Welcome to Minimalish. I'm your host, Desiree, and this is a podcast about minimalism. Sort of. It's a podcast about how living with less stuff and less distractions can help us focus on what's most important. So what you'll find here? Of course, we will talk decluttering and living with less, but we'll also talk about the important things in life and how to approach them intentionally. We'll approach topics of motherhood, home life, relationships, work, our health, and the important things in general that fill up our days. And what you won't find here, a perfectionist version of minimalism. I'm a mom, a full-time teacher, and a podcaster, and I've found the version of minimalism that you may find on Instagram or Pinterest to be unattainable. We aren't minimalism purists here. We're simply focused on living with less in a way that's realistic to us. It's a version of minimalism I personally like to call minimal-ish. The goal is not living with less for the sake of less here or to make sure our homes make us look like a minimalist. The goal is living with less in a realistic way so that we can have more time and space and energy to focus on what matters most. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dive into this week's episode. Hi friend, welcome back to Minimalish. I am so excited for today's episode. I feel like I say that every time, but I truly am today extra excited because this is the first guest episode that I am bringing you after kind of re-renaming the podcast back to its original name, which is Minimalish. And I am so excited because I think today's topic is so pertinent to the idea of minimalism and just one of the benefits of minimalism, at least for me. So for me, minimalism has so many benefits, but living a minimal-ish life has helped me rethink my spending habits, rethink my consuming, rethink my finances. And especially within the past several months, I have really honed in on looking at my spending, looking at my buying habits, and working to change them. So today I have an amazing guest on the podcast, Allison Baggerly of Inspired Budget. She has a podcast. She's very active on Instagram. You can find her there. So find her on her podcast, Inspired Budget Podcast. Find her on Instagram at Inspired Budget. I have absolutely loved learning from her. She's going to tell us more about herself as we start out our conversation. But I know for me, she has made finances just so much understandable for me and living on a budget and she's made it something that I finally feel like clicks with me just through following her teaching um, and her content. So I highly recommend her. Today's conversation, we really focus in on the idea of impulse spending and impulse buying. And this is something that I know I have struggled with in the past. It's something that is still a struggle for me. It's something that I have to keep in the front of my mind. And Allison shares so many strategies today that can help us with this habit. We also talk about debt and our finances and how it affects our identity and how that can keep us from getting to where we want to be financially or living on a budget. Before we get to my conversation with Allison, I do want to take a quick minute to just thank you so much for the response that I've gotten for bringing back Minimalish. I am beyond excited, and I could not have imagined the response that came from this. So thank you if you reached out in any way to encourage me in this change. I am super grateful for you, and I am just excited to see where Minimalish goes in this upcoming season of the podcast. 
Now, without further ado, let's dive into my conversation with Allison. Today, I am so excited to have Allison Baggerly on the podcast, and we are going to talk all things impulse spending, debt. Uh, we'll even talk a little bit about money and our identity. And Allison, I just want to let you know that you have been so impactful in my own debt-free journey. And so I'm, I'm just so excited to have you on today. Oh my gosh. Like it means so much to me to hear that because sometimes, you know, you're sitting behind a computer or a phone and you're creating content and you wonder, is this even doing anything? Am I even helping people? And then, and then, you know, it's nice to hear that. Yeah, it, it really is. Um, so thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I think the way that you describe things, it just really clicks with me. So I'm excited to have you on the podcast and um, to have just your perspective shared with our listeners today. Before we get to the bulk of our conversation, can you just introduce yourself and who you are and what you do? Sure. So my name is Allison Baggerly. I own a small business named called Inspire Budget, which I never thought I would do. I never in my wildest dreams or even my nightmares would I have thought I would work for myself, but I do. And I, I aim to help specifically women learn how to budget, pay off debt and save money and really change their relationship with money in a way that does not focus on shame and guilt and disappointment, right? So I, instead we talk about it just in the real world and what it looks like to write a budget that you can stick to and how money can have such a positive impact on your life and how to get rid of any of that negative impact it might've had in the past. I'm super grateful for all that you do. Uh, what I really loved hearing in the beginning when I started following you was your debt-free journey. Mm -hmm. I can relate to it a lot um, because my husband and I are teachers and you're about to share your story. So you'll talk <laughs> a little bit about why I can relate to that. Um, but can you go ahead and share a little bit of your own debt-free journey? Of course. So I got married when I was 24 years old to my husband, Matt, and we had never discussed money before. I knew I had student loans. I knew I had debt, but I didn't know how much. I was just, I could care less about any of that. I was spending money to make myself happy. I was just living this life where I, I literally just, as long as I didn't go into the negative on my bank account. Like I was perfectly content and happy and we got married. He also came into our marriage with a lot of debt and we didn't realize this until we got back from our honeymoon and we realized we were unexpectedly pregnant. So at the age of 24, I got married and had a kid. And when we realized we were pregnant, we asked ourselves, okay, obviously like this, we don't, we're not ready. We don't feel ready. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? It totally rocked our world. And we realized that we did not have enough money to be able to pay for daycare payments. We looked around back then, which was 10 years ago. I can't believe that 10 years ago, daycare where we were living was about 800 to $900 a month. And we didn't have that extra cash flow every month with the way we were living and with our debt. So we sat down and we, I'll never forget it. We were sitting at this, in this small little two bedroom, you know, one, one bath apartment at an old hand-me-down kitchen table that came from my parents, mismatched Ikea chairs. And I remember sitting there crying with my, my head in my hands thinking, I don't know what to do. 
And we totaled up all of our debt. We had over $111,000 worth of debt on two teacher salaries. Our minimum debt payments were over $1,400 a month. And I remember feeling so stuck. And I thought, how do I even overcome this? How do I bring a baby into this world when I feel like I'm not even an adult myself or I'm failing at adulting already? And so it was at that night when my husband and I, you know, we hit almost like this rock bottom, our eyes were opened. And what I, what was running through my mind that night was, okay, you're, you're two teachers should have married an engineer. Like, okay, that, that was, you know, a mistake, but you're two teachers and this is just how it's going to be. You're just always going to struggle. You will always have student loans until you retire. You will never be able to take nice vacations and you'll just always live paycheck to paycheck. That was, that was the, what was playing through my mind. And then that night I was like, I don't like that. I don't, I don't want that for me. I don't want that for my husband. I don't want that for my son. And so we said, what can we do to get ourselves out of this? What is the key to not let that be our future? And so we decided, okay, the key to do that is to pay off debt. That's our first thing. We have to get rid of this debt, not only because we wanted a different life, but because we had to make daycare payments because we surely couldn't afford for me to quit my job. So that's what we did. We decided that we would learn how to live on a budget and we would pay off debt. And we did it all in four and a half years, which is a long time. It felt like an eternity. I remember thinking this is like more than my high school career. <laughs> and, um, it, but we did it. We did it while growing our family. We had two kids along the way. We made mistakes. We made good choices and mistakes. And, and we were able to pay it all off on two teacher salaries without taking on like extra jobs, without an inheritance, without huge windfalls of money, just consistency. Well, so much of that I can relate to. And I know so many mm -hmm. others can. First of all, I'm pregnant right now. And um, <laughs> even like in my past pregnancy, which was almost four or five years ago, if only we would have paid off our debt in between those four and a half years. Um, but, you know, in my past pregnancy, I had that kind of the same similar mm -hmm. realization of like daycare is so expensive. And also I per, like I wanted to stay home and I was teaching mm -hmm. outside of the home at that point. And so I had this crisis, this financial crisis. And then this pregnancy I felt it happen like at the beginning, again, mostly because of daycare mm -hmm. costs again. And we live in a whole different area, but it ha that doesn't make a difference. It's, yeah. It's crazy Still how expensive. expensive it is. But I love how you talk about consistency and just the, the long game of it. Because I think that is what my husband and I have, you know, we started a debt-free journey a while ago. But I think mm -hmm. at that point we only had one income and it just felt like, how long is this going to take mm -hmm. us? Like almost yes. impossible. And I think that that is where a lot of people get tripped up is just, it can take a lot of time. And yeah. we, we often hear stories of people who are like, I paid off this much debt in a year or two years. Yes. And then when we look at our finances and see that that's maybe unattainable for us, I don't know. We just want to like throw our hands up. Yeah. It feels like, what's the point? What's yeah. the point? If you can sacrifice for a year and pay it all off, like that's a sprint. It's when it becomes this marathon. It's when you have to develop this endurance that it really becomes difficult. And that's when people fall off track. And it's not because you're 
dumb or not making the right choices or anything like that. It's because it takes a lot of discipline and the world tells us to not have discipline with our money because the world wants us to spend it. The world wants us to use spending money and going into debt to make ourselves happy. And so we're conditioned to do that. So it's really hard to have the self-discipline when you've never had it before. Yeah. And one thing we're about to talk about is impulse spending. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is the idea of, like you just said, making yourself happy with buying something Mm -hmm. gets us into this cycle of impulse spending. And as women and, you know, moms who want to give good things to our kids Mm -hmm. and, and we want to, we get to this point where we're like, we're so exhausted. We're so tired. We should be able to treat ourselves, you know, and that, produces a cycle of impulse spending, which can totally derail um, a oh, debt-free yes. journey and just our finances in general, even if we somehow are debt-free without <laughs> dealing with the impulse spending. <laughs> but um, I know it's something that you talk about and are very transparent about your own struggles with that. So uh, could you talk about that a little bit and maybe how you have learned to overcome mm-hmm. the urge to impulse spend throughout your own journey? Of course. So I love to spend money. Spending money brings me joy. I get this almost high. Like I really, really like it. Saving money is not the same for me. I still enjoy saving money, but I love spending money. And really, I started looking back now. I didn't notice it then, but looking back now, I noticed that I really started impulse spending very early on in college. I felt like I was away And I used spending my student loan money on things I shouldn't have as a way to avoid uncomfortable emotions and as a way to celebrate emotions. So I don't know if anyone who's listening to this can relate, but what I would do back then and what I feel tempted to do now is anytime I was mad, sad, stressed, overwhelmed, depressed, or bored, I would want to spend money. So I distinctly remember my boyfriend breaking up with me and I went to Bath and Body Works and just got like all the candles and all the lotions. And I remember I got a bad grade on a test. I got like a C and I went and drowned my sorrows in the makeup aisle of Target. So I would use money, spending money as a way to escape those uncomfortable emotions. And I did not realize that then, but looking back, I can find that pattern. And I even, even boredom, you know, bored on a Saturday, you have no plans. Okay, let's go spend money because that was more fun than sitting in that emotion. And so instead of allowing myself to sit in the emotion, the negative emotion, whatever emotion it would be, I would escape the emotion. However, I also did this to celebrate emotions. So whenever I would make a good grade on a test, I would go to, you know, Bath and Body Works and buy something or go clothes shopping. If I worked out four days that week, I would celebrate by buying clothes. So I would also use spending money to enhance my emotions. And I still struggle with this to this day. But it wasn't until I really had to step back and look at my spending habits and how they were impacting me that I even realized I had it. I was so blind to them. Other people could see what I was doing. My husband could see what I was doing, but I couldn't because I was so entrenched in what I was doing. And I had this habit for so long that I couldn't even see it. And it wasn't until I actually almost went on like this detox of spending money that I saw, oh my gosh, 
look at how much I was spending before and why was I spending that money? And then when I was able to almost separate myself for a period of time, I mean, maybe like a month of actually spending money, it allowed me to see the patterns of spending money, like when I was spending money before, why I was spending money before, and it allowed me to ask these questions of, okay, what, what was spending giving me that I wasn't getting before? And how can I find that happiness or that peace in a different way that is healthier? And if you think about it, I mean, it's the same thing for people who struggle with other types of addictions, right? So mine might be my using spending is might be quote unquote healthier than someone that might turn to alcohol or drugs or things like that or eating. But to me, I knew, okay, th this isn't healthy. This isn't what I want. So how can I, how can I try to control this better? And it's still something I struggle with. I still get in these urges to spend and I have to create boundaries for myself so that I almost stop it before it gets out of hand. Yeah. I think that's kind of the problem is at least for me with minimalism and something mm -hmm. I always talk about impulse spending has been a a topic, right? Because it's, mm -hmm. it's not necessarily maybe about the financial part of it, but it's just not bringing more stuff into my house. Right. But it's something that I realized over time, it's, it's not like, maybe it will 10 years down the road, but it's not like I can fully cure this part mm -hmm. of me that, that wants that to become happier because of a purchase, you know? And right. I think when we look at like how happy does it actually make us? How long does that happiness last? Uh, that that can help. But said you know you did like a little bit of a spending detox. Mm -hmm. Maybe found like replacement ways to to make yourself happy when you're feeling that urge. What are some of the things that you do when you're feeling that urge of impulse spending, or maybe like the boundaries you've even given yourself? Oh yes. So I one boundary I give myself is I turn to my husband who is almost like an accountability partner for me in this. And I tell him, I feel the crave. I told him around Christmas time, I could feel myself. I mean, I could just feel the urge inside of me to spend. And I remember he was getting ready for work one morning and I was talking to him and I said, I just have this urge to spend my, like, I just want to do it. I don't know what I want to spend money on. I just have this craving. And he was like, I have never heard of anything like this. And I was like, it's just in me. It's just in me. And so I knew I cannot, like I cannot sometimes stop myself. So what I said to him, and this would not have worked if he had recommended it. I said, look, I, I'm going to spend money on the credit card. So I need a boundary in place. And I said, what can we put in place? He said, neither of us will use the credit card or make purchases without the other agreeing to it. So basically, you know, unnecessary purchase, impulse purchases, anything like that, which he doesn't make any unnecessary or impulse purchases. So the fact that he included himself as in, in on this is very kind of him. But I said, okay, I like that. So anytime I felt that urge and I wanted to buy something and he wasn't around, I knew, okay, no, I said I would check in with him before I buy anything and we have to agree together. And I know he's probably not going to agree to this. So let me put it away. And that allowed me to rethink things, pause, take a moment and think about it rationally. Because when we're impulse spending, it's impulsive. We're not thinking it through. So it allowed me, it forced me to think through things. And I still do that to this day. I'll get in these 
I don't know. It's like this terrible, terrible storm in my mind where I just want to spend money. And I have to have like that type of boundary. Another boundary I have is, you know, giving myself a spending allowance because it's okay to spend. It's not bad to spend, but I want to spend intentionally. However, having some sort of an allowance or spending money allows me to spend impulsively within a set parameter. So if I give myself $50 a month and I feel that impulsivity coming on, I can use that set amount and that can kind of, you know, allow me to still impulse spend, but within a set boundary that we had included in our budget. And that helps me as well. That allowed me to really think through it and it forces me to pause and say, okay, is this something I really want? Like, or should I just go take a walk instead? I'm really stressed out about work. And so what I want to do is buy this new, right now my new thing is dog toys because we have a new puppy. I mean, I want to buy all the things for the dog. And I'm thinking, okay, is that going to work or should I just take the dog on a walk when I'm stressed about work and get out of the house and move my body a little bit? So it, it forces me to just think things through more than I would have in the past. Yeah. I, I love the idea of spending money. It's something I think if you're on a debt-free journey, a lot of people think like that would be, you know, <laughs> I could put this money towards my, yep. towards my debt, but it's just unrealistic to think we're never, especially if mm -hmm. that's a habit and if oh, yeah. we are loving spending money, it's unrealistic to think we never can. Um, and we'll be able to just refrain totally <laughs> this month. I did a no spend month and did pretty well, but one of my biggest parts of it was to not allow myself to walk into Target. That was like my challenge, like don't walk mm -hmm. into Target because I, I spend too much money when I walk in. Yep. And there came a point in like last week where I had to walk into Target. I didn't have to, but I, <laughs> my daughter really wanted Panera Mac and Cheese. She loves it. She's four. And so <laughs> I was like, okay, well, I don't want to go to Panera. I know they have it at Target. I like looked on the app that they have yeah. you know, the Panera mac and cheese at Target. Like, okay, we can do that. Um, so I was like, well, I don't have enough time to, <laughs> to order it ahead and get yeah. someone to bring this out to my car. So we walked in and I didn't buy anything extra. It's just like that, that two mm -hmm. or three weeks of refraining from being in the store really helped. And then I walked in one more time just the other day just to grab something that like I had to grab one thing. I was like, mm -hmm. I can do it. I know I can. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow. <laughs> you know, it's practice mm -hmm. can, can help as well. It can help suppress that. Uh, still, I'm not going to go into Target every time I need to because right. there's a drive up for that. <laughs> I have <laughs> exactly. really enjoyed the benefits of that and not spending because when you go in there and you see the like Valentine's yep. Day towels and, you know, everything that it you adds don't up. Need, <laughs> yeah. It does. I hope you're enjoying today's episode, but I want to take a quick break to tell you about today's sponsor. Today I get to tell you about an app that I've been loving, specifically for my daughter, and that is Homer. Homer is the essential early learning program for kids, ages two to eight, and it functions as a personalized learning plan with thousands of activities across reading, math, social emotional learning, thinking skills, and more. When you sign up, you'll be given a quiz as the parent to help place your kid on the correct learning plan. I see it even as a learning path. It's an ad-free and safe app and safe screen time that you can feel good about. I personally work from home and oftentimes I have my daughter home with me, so Homer has made me feel good about using screen time when I need it, as I know she's both enjoying it and learning. 
Homer is proven to increase early reading scores by 74% with just 15 minutes a day, and it helps build confidence and shows kids that learning is fun by giving them opportunities to apply their skills in real life. As a listener of Minimalish, you can get a 30-day free trial of Homer. Head to DesireeEndries.com slash Homer. That's DesireeEndries.com slash Homer. The link will be in the show notes. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you can build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles will show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, you just swap them out for more new-to-you styles. Since having kids, I have kind of lost my personal style and I'm using Armoire to help me find it again while trying out different brands and styles without having to add more physical stuff to my wardrobe. And I have a few events that are coming up that I know I am going to want some fancier items to wear than the items that I own. And I don't really want to go shopping for items that are going to sit in my closet without being worn after that one day. I hate the waste that that creates, and I love that Armoire allows you to rent high-quality designer clothing for any occasion and then send it back. I'm just really grateful that I have Armoire to help me dress for the occasion without having to add something to my closet permanently that I know I'm only going to be wearing once. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armwire.style slash minimalish. That's armwire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash minimalish to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try armwire today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's get back to today's episode. We've talked about this uh, a lot already, but if you could just like give one or two pointers to someone who struggles with impulse spending, what would it be? So I would definitely say, you know, have someone that you can turn to for accountability. And if you don't have a spouse or a partner that will do that, find a friend, it, you know, just anyone that you can say, okay, I'm going to do this. This is my goal. You don't have to dive in and tell them every last detail, but I would say find someone that you can trust. My second tip is to remember that the thing you want isn't going to magically disappear. So when we're impulse spending, we justify what we want. Like I can justify anything. You tell me something to buy. I can easily justify why we should buy it, but it's, what, what helped me is realizing, okay, this thing will still be here later. And so it, it allows you to say, okay, I don't need this now. And when I looked at it that way, when I would say, okay, this thing is not going away, let me take a step back 
breathe a little bit about this purchase and come back to it, it's still going to be there. Target's always going to be there. Bath and Body Works is always going to be there. Amazon will always be there. So I have to remind myself to do that. And I think that's a really great tip for anyone to just remember when you feel that urge to remind yourself, okay, this isn't going away. This thing I want is not going to magically sell out. There's going to be more of it. So I can always come back to it later after I've included it in my budget after I've saved up for it. So I think that that really helps. I mean, and that's why a lot of times people impulse spend on Black Friday because they tell themselves, it's going away, the price is going away, the price is going away. But most of the time when you can step back and look at it through a different lens, it can help you pause and rethink. And I think the third thing is just to be able to find a way to pause. To pause and ask yourself, why do I want this item? Why? And sometimes it's okay to want things that you don't necessarily need. Like I buy things that I don't need. So I think it's okay to buy things that you just want. But I ask myself, why do I actually want this? Do I want this right now? And am I going to want it a month from now? Or do I want this right now? Because there's another emotion that I'm avoiding. And most of the time when I feel the urge to impulse spend, it's another emotion that is layered underneath that. So I really struggle with impulse spending at Christmas and the emotion layered underneath that is one of joy and excitement and wanting to see my children open up their gifts. So it's not even a negative emotion, but that emotion drives me to impulse spend. So I think if you can name the emotion that's behind it and laying underneath it, then you can ask yourself, how can I deal with this emotion in a different way than spending money? And then at least like, I mean, if you do that and half of the time it works and you don't spend money that, you know, you've cut down your impulse spending by 50%. So I still think it's pretty good. Yeah, those are great tips. And I think that when we do impulse spend, it can come with shame. And Mm -hmm. that is something I know that you talk about a lot um, as well is just this idea of how we act, I guess, financially, what our finances look like, maybe being in debt can be become part of the way like we identify um, part of our identity and, and it can involve shame. So I, I want to dive a little bit into that. Can you share either parts of your own story with that or things you've heard other women say um, over the years as you've been working um, with women, you know, helping them get out of debt. How, how does our debt and our finances, how does that all affect our identity? Yes. When I first realized how much debt we were in, I was so embarrassed and I felt like, a failure. I felt like, how did I let this happen? How did I even not know that this was an issue? And I had a lot of shame about where my husband and I had found ourselves because it's not where I wanted to be. And that's really where the shame comes from, right? You have bigger dreams, you have bigger thoughts for your life and you find yourself maybe not there. And I think that is true for a lot of people when it comes to debt. I mean, I've talked about this on Instagram and I've had hundreds of women send me messages about 
how much shame they have because of their money and because of their debt. Women that are single that have told me, I'm afraid no one will ever want to marry me because of my finances. People that say, I'm afraid that my friends will judge me because of my finances, that my parents are scared for their parents to see where they are, you know, with their credit card debt or any type of debt. And it makes it so scary to talk about that you don't discuss it, right? It's so taboo. So you just sit and you stew in this shame and this guilt and this disappointment and you don't know what to do. So you do nothing. And so many people have made that part of their identity because money is emotional and it's really hard to separate the emotions from money. And so you see it as this is the consequence of my own choices. Why did I make these choices to end me up here? But what good does that really even do? So instead, what I say is, okay, we have to let go of the past choices that we made. We can't, we can't just like, like just continuously think about them and, and get frustrated with our past self because we all do things that we could have done differently, right? That's just part of growing and maturing and learning. So we have to let go of those past money choices that you made and ask yourself, okay, here's where I found myself. Here's my truth. Here's where I really am. I have to accept it because this is my truth. Now, how can I move forward? So instead of just constantly hiding from it and sitting in shame and sitting in guilt and thinking back to the past choices you made and how they were, you know, not what you would have gone back and done again. How can we move forward to actually no longer be in this place? And so that's what I talk to a lot of women about is actually taking steps to remove yourself from that and realize that debt is debt, but it doesn't define who you are as a wife, as a woman, as a mom, as a daughter, as a sister, as a friend. It does not define you, even though sometimes your emotions tell you that it does. Yeah, that's so good. And I can relate to being so afraid to mm -hmm. look at just the amount of debt that my husband and I had the first time that we looked at it, um, which was probably a couple years after we were married even. I just didn't want, I didn't want him to know like what my <laughs> student loans were. I knew he had less than me. And I, not only that, but just it's so easy and to hide purchases, right? And mm -hmm. I think that's an issue that a lot of people come into, whether they are married or, you know, with someone that they share their finances with, we can hide these things and mm -hmm. that racks up and then that becomes scary or embarrassing to, to finally share. When we're in this position, obviously we have to take ourselves out. You know, that's mm -hmm. one thing you said is just like, remove ourselves from, from the debt. It's not our identity. What are some like practical ways that are like action steps that we can take to do that? I think that the first thing is owning your truth and just saying, okay, I'm not going to spend any more of my time and energy thinking back to what I did before to get to me, get me where I am today. I might not be happy with my past choices. I might wish I could go back and change them, but spending time just focusing on them all the time is not going to do you any good. So first I would say own your truth, 
realize that this is where you are and that it's okay where you are, no matter where you are financially, no matter how much credit card debt you have, no matter how much student loan debt you have, you can move forward from then, from there. And so I think the next step, once you just own it and you say, just because this is a circumstance doesn't define me, I would say actually make a plan, put a plan in place. What is it that I'm going to do? What debt do I want to pay off first? How soon can I pay off this first debt? Because once you start taking those next steps, you will actually start to be proud of the progress that you've made. And you will be amazed at how it can actually help you feel better about yourself because you're seeing yourself do something that maybe you didn't think you could do or you didn't have the courage to do before with your money. So I would say after you own your truth, taking those next steps with your money, figuring out how to budget, how to pay off debt so you can see results and those results will help you, ha you know, just erase some of that shame and that guilt that you might have. Yeah, for sure. And I think that has happened for me personally, as I've started to f actually understand like <laughs> budgeting and finances, which again, I thank you for, and just the way that you clearly explain things <laughs> that, <laughs> that I have felt like a lot of that has, I don't know, replaced a shame because mm -hmm. I feel like, I don't, I know what I'm doing now. Exactly. And I, you have confidence. So yeah, yeah. So we are replacing shame with confidence. And when you can walk confidently with your money, you make better decisions. You make more sound decisions. You can say no to impulse purchases. Is it going to be perfect? No, but who's whose money is perfect, but at least it's in a direction that you want to go. Exactly. I love yeah. it. Well, thank you so much for this conversation. Um, I will put links to your uh, Instagram and your website in the show notes so that everyone can come find you and learn more from you. But before we go, I have two questions that I ask every guest. Um, the first one is, what is one way that you choose intention in your everyday life? So I actually was thinking about this today because I thought, how do I choose intention? And then it, I was like, oh, I mean, we're talking about money. But for me, one of the things that I do is I, it, I had to learn how to do this. I was not like, this didn't magically happen over time, you know, right away. But I learned how to look at how I am spending my money and prioritize it so that way my spending matches my values. So one of my values is being outside and enjoying travel and enjoying the ability to go see and experience things. So I make sure that my spending aligns with that, which means that for me to have enough money to do these things, I do have to remove some things from my spending that my values don't align with. So one thing intentionally I love doing every day is being able to say no to things that maybe other people spend money on that I that do not align with what I want my life to look like and then being able to to willingly and happily spend money on the things that do. And I think that when you're able to know what you want your life to look like, you can ignore the noise of the world that is telling you what to spend money on and you can just decide for yourself, where do you want your money to really go? That's so good. And it applies to, I think more than just our finances, mm -hmm. like just knowing what matters to you can help you not overcommit to things and yes. <laughs> things that matter less. So I just, exactly. um, the second question is just for fun, but what's something that you're loving right now? I probably shouldn't say this, 
but it's my new puppy. And the reason why I shouldn't say this is because he had two accidents this morning. He's just <laughs> not a good puppy today, but I just love, I love him. He, we got him on Christmas Eve. Um, at the time of recording this, he's like three months old and he's so fun. He's so happy and filled with joy. And I talked to my mom about it and my, and his name is Harry, Harry Potter. And we have a cat, Luna Lovegood. And um, my mom said, we all need to be like Harry, just so filled with joy and see things through his eyes. And so as crazy as this sounds, I called my mom the other day and I was complaining about something. And she said, Allison, how would Harry think about this? <laughs> and it's like, just, you know, just happiness, just overflowing with happiness because you can find happiness in every moment if you're willing to look for it. And I, I love that reminder. So I find so much happiness in just taking him on a couple of walks every day. I find so much joy in, in seeing him being happy. Um, so that's definitely something I'm loving right now. I did not love it this morning when I had to clean up after him. Um, that, that was not fun. <laughs> I guess that's just part of having a puppy. My yes. mom just got a puppy. So I can like relate to those feelings. They're mm -hmm. just so, I don't know, they prance around there. Yes. They just want, they just want to be with you. Yes. It's so, um, they're just filled with so much joy. Like nothing can get them down. That's how I see him. I love it. I love it yeah. so much. Seeing the world through the eyes of our dogs. I, I think even <laughs> old, like most dogs, you could probably yeah. apply that too, even as they get older. Um, exactly. So I love that. Well, thank you again so much for coming on the show. I think this conversation has really encouraged me. I know it will encourage um, those that are listening in. So just thanks so much for your time. Yes, of course. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Allison. I hope it inspired you in some way, whether it is with your finances, how you think of your finances, how you think of yourself because of your financial situation, or maybe it encouraged you in some way to take a look at your spending habits and think about impulse purchases that you might make. For this episode, for me, one of the most applicable points was just to look at those strategies for impulse buying, <laughs> strategies to keep us from making those impulse decisions and breaking our budget because we thought we needed something that we didn't and we just acted in that moment. I know my challenge to myself is to reflect on this and to take action on some of Allison's points in helping us pause before that purchase. That is all for today's episode, but next week I'll be sharing a little more personally about my own budget mistakes. I felt that budgeting was just like unattainable for me. How can I possibly keep track of our spending for an entire month? How can we possibly stick to a budget? Maybe that sounds silly to some of you. Maybe it sounds super relatable to others. But either way, I've learned a lot over the past several months about how to actually stick to a budget, what mistakes I was making just financially in general, and what I've changed. And I'm excited to share that with you next week. So if you enjoy these financial talks, this is very basic. We're not getting into like nitty gritty, deep financial stuff, but I just do want to share kind of what I've learned as I've really dug into budgeting for our family and tracking our expenses. Thank you so much again for being here and listening in. If you did enjoy this episode, I really appreciate any review or rating on the podcast. It helps get the podcast seen by more eyes and heard by more ears, and I'm forever grateful for that. 
And if it was helpful to you, share it with a friend or share it on Instagram. I am grateful for any way you help invite new members into this minimalish community. Thanks for listening in and I will talk to you on the next episode. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.